Hello and welcome to the Emmanuel Croydon podcast. At Emmanuel Croydon, we exist to be a community drawn together by our desire to know and follow Jesus. We long to become disciples of Jesus who are equipped to serve him in the whole of life, transforming families, communities and workplaces as we love God with heart, mind, soul and strength. We hope you enjoy this week's talk from the evening service. Thank you for joining us today. Grace and peace to you. Our vision at Emmanuel is to be a place of unconditional welcome, Christ-centered revival and deep discipleship. And when we presented that vision, as we do each year, it is framed by two things, prayer and relationships. And prayer goes together with all of that, but particularly with the centre of our vision, this idea of Christ-centred revival. This week we took the ministry team away on a bit of a retreat to the East Coast, not far away from where the last revival in England happened. This is a book that you have never seen before. That's, it's called A Forgotten Revival. This is one of those kind of publications that you pick up somewhere random that really printed about sort of 23 copies or something like that. But it's all about the revival of 1921 in the easternmost point of the British Isles, Lowestoft. And I shared a few moments from this book with the ministry team this week, and I'd love to do so uh, with you. Written by the equally unknown Stanley Griffin. Griffin points out in his book about the Lowestoft revival that no great revival happens without a group of believers being gripped with the desire to pray. No prayer, no revival. And so it was in Lowestoft. This is what he writes. He says, the outstanding feature in the life of the Baptist church, small, uh, just dog leg here, this was a revival of Baptist church and Anglican churches all working together. Interesting, we have an Anglican church here full of Baptists. You can talk to me about that afterwards. We love you all. Uh, Anyway, the outstanding feature in the life of the Baptist church prior to the revival was a weekly prayer meeting. This was held in the schoolroom on Monday evenings with an attendance of up to 90 people seeking God for a great manifestation of his power. The people prayed faithfully in this way for two years. Prayer reached a crescendo early in 1921, just before the revival started. Not everyone, however, was convinced. Uh, An enthusiastic uh, Christian local councillor, John Rushmere, proposed at a council meeting that the meetings of the local council should be begun with prayer. The motion was rejected. The following week, uh, in in the editorial, the local journal criticised the proposal, saying, prayer is good, but there are other mental and moral activities that are better. While uh, the Reverend Hugh Ferguson of the local Baptist church uh, was really inspired by this rebuttal to preach a sermon. So he preached the sermon on what profit is there if we pray? And in this sermon, he reminded his congregation, all the trouble, this is what he said, all the trouble and confusion in public work today is due to the fact that men and women are trying to manage in the world without God. The great need of the hour, and frankly, he could have said this 102 years later today, the great need of the hour is a truer, deeper, 
and more widespread recognition of God in individual, municipal, and national life. And having preached the sermon, he was kind of the one who was most converted by it all. And he got the uh, Anglican minister down the road to do the same. They both really committed themselves fervently to prayer. And the Lord answered them. Immense revival broke out. The 19th century uh, Bible commentator Matthew Henry wrote, When God intends great mercies for his people, the first thing he does is to set them a praying. So, there's a reason for us to pray. But what teaching do we get on prayer in the scriptures? Well, the interesting thing about the Sermon on the Mount, which is where this passage is taken from, is that Jesus assumes more than he teaches on prayer. So he says, when you pray, pray like this, assumption you're going to. But still, his teaching about prayer tells us a great deal. First of all, he says prayer is a private discipline before it is a public practice. It's a private discipline before it is a public practice. She says, when you pray, verse 6, go into your room. Go into your room. We're going to think more about this later on. We're going to be thinking about our corporate prayer as a church family. And that is really important. But our corporate prayer is only downstream, if you like, of our individual prayer. If we will not pray on our own, it is questionable what we're doing praying altogether. Secondly, prayer is about relationship, not performance. That's the second thing that comes through here. Relationship, not performance. The Lord's Prayer begins, our Father. And frankly, let's be honest, it doesn't go on for very long, does it? Particularly not in comparison with what apparently was going on amongst the the, the pagans around, verse 7. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans. They had long prayers. As my kids are getting older, uh, they are learning independence. Uh, They are learning it not least as they grow in maturity and realize that I really am not the answer to a great deal of their needs. But still, as I'm sure many parents do, I'm eager that as the older ones get older, they keep remembering that I'm their father. That they should talk to me. That they should tell me what their needs are. That they should not think that the deal is now, because they're 11 or whatever, uh, they have to go it alone. And you know, I wonder whether that is a little bit how the Lord feels towards us. He tells us to speak to him as father. Remember I'm your dad. You know when you have those nightmares and like things go wrong for you and you mess it up again? Speak to me. We should not think that we are to go it on our own. It's about relationship, not performance. So we've had, it's a private discipline before it's a public practice. It's about relationship, not performance. And thirdly, prayer is about heartfelt expression, not about the repetition of set formulas. We're told not to heap up empty phrases, not to keep on babbling, verse 7. It says, like the pagans, for they think they'll be heard because of their many words. Well, I imagine all of us are familiar with what it's like to pray and not mean it. Which of us has not kind of rabbited on the words of the Lord's Prayer or some other prayer at a particular time? But... The Lord is not looking for that kind of prayer. He's not looking for notching it up. 
He's looking for a prayer that doesn't bypass our hearts or our minds. He's looking for authentic speech to him. Now, the desire for heartfelt spontaneity sometimes sets evangelical Christians at odds with formalized prayer. And we we get a bit allergic to anything that's written down and we have to say it. I think that misses the point. Sometimes we need a form of words to adopt. It sort of guides us. Jesus gave us a form of words right here that we can follow. But the point is, it's supposed to come from the heart. It's not just supposed to come from the automatic mouth pronouncing it. So we are to think of heartfelt expression, not just the repetition of formulas. But finally, when and how should we pray? We're going to get some great indicators, uh, ideas about how we can do that as a church family. But let me just say a little bit about private practice before um, Alison gets up and explains what we do corporately. The scriptures tell us that Jesus rose early whilst it was still dark to pray. Now I realize some of us love to rise early and are very proud of our early rising and I salute you if you're that kind of person. Um, perhaps you're able to make a, a practice, a regular habit of an early morning quiet time of some time reading the scriptures uh, uh, and some personal prayer. Mornings aren't everyone's cup of tea. Your, your, your temperament or your responsibilities may not suit that kind of a pattern. That's fine. But still, you've got to make the effort to pray. You've got to decide where this is going to live in your life. And if you wait for it to happen, you're going to pass by the month and nothing will. So perhaps you can build some retreat time into your weekend once a month. You can spend a couple of hours just praying. Perhaps there's a moment on your commute that's just right for prayer. Um, perhaps... You'd like to work things differently just to sort of keep it alive. You've got stuck in the rut right now. Sometimes the best thing is just to keep changing it up from time to time. Other people are absolutely religious and will never change it. God bless you if that works for you too. What comes through consistently in the whole of the New Testament though is that for the first disciples, prayer was a way of life. It is a non-negotiable part of the Christian life. Their plans were full of prayer. Have a plan, have a pray. And their relationships were full of prayer. Have a friend, say a prayer. So, as we pray on our own, how are we to pray? Well, uh, perhaps you've come across some of those acronyms. Stop, thank you, thank sorry, sorry, thank you, others, please. Let me try it again. Stop, sorry, thank you, others, please. That's one way of praying. Sorry for what I've done wrong. Thank you to the Lord for what he's given us. Others, prayers for others, and please for myself. Perhaps you are familiar with acts. This is if you like longer words that end in Asian. Adoration, confession, uh, thanksgiving, and supplication. Uh, Perhaps you like the teaspoon, TSP. Thank you, sorry, please. Take a teaspoon to pray. Whatever whatever works for you, if you want a reminder of those, I'll tell you later. But it's nice to have that that little um, pattern there that reminds you, it's not just a dive into the asking. But also think about confession, think about thanksgiving. All right, what we're going to do now is we're going to think a little bit further about, practically speaking, how is a church pray. And I'm going to invite Alison up, and she's going to focus particularly on those please prayers uh, and those others prayers, ways that we pray for ourselves and others for God to act. Alison. Thanks for listening to the Emmanuel Croydon Podcast. For more information about our church and everything we have going on, 
visit our website, emmanuelcroydon.org.uk. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram to see and hear what's going on in the life of our church. God bless you and have a wonderful week. Thank you.